0: Welcome to Vibrant Potential, a podcast dedicated to providing you with strategies for health, fitness, and performance in all areas of your life. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Frickman. Do you like being happy? How about feeling sad or mad? My guest today is Tom Glazier, author of Full Heart Living, Conversations with the Happiest People I Know. Tom's been to my home for a death over dinner party, conversations over TED Talks, and other social gatherings. I always find Tom to be thoughtful and thought-provoking. Today, Tom and I discuss how feeling sad, mad, or whatever else comes up for you is a more full way to live life and paradoxically may lead to more happiness. So I have to feel sad to feel happy, Listen to today's episode to find out how that works. And find out more at today's show notes page at www.drchrisfrickman.com slash happiness.
1: Welcome to Vibrant Potential. We provide you with everything you need to know to overcome stress, fatigue, and chronic health challenges, as well as optimizing your performance in fitness, relationship, and business. We use integrative health solutions and functional medicine strategies, including brain-based approaches, inspired fitness tips, emotional intelligence coaching, and spiritual growth techniques so you can live the life you want, connect deeply with others, and fulfill your vibrant potential. Your host is functional medicine expert, genetic biohacker, and triathlon coach, Dr. Chris Frickman.
0: Tom, thanks so much for being on the show with me today. Thanks for having me, Chris. It's, it's a pleasure. Awesome. Say, so I'm really excited
2: to to talk about your book. It's
0: Full Heart Living. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Conversations with the happiest people I know. I always add in the subtitle.
0: Yeah. Well, actually, that's that's good because the subtitle is a little bit more. It sort of names what what you're t- discussing a little bit more. You got it. Yeah, yeah. So how did you come up with Full Heart Living, actually? Let me just ask that as long as we're we're on that already.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So my working title for months, if not longer, Chris, was choosing happiness because it, it looked to me like happier people make different or certain choices to take certain actions or to not take certain actions. Right, and so the the and, and that's still true. And uh, there's a lot of that, of course, still in the book. And I realized fairly late in the process that it, it, it's there's so much more to what I was hearing from these people. That there's a way of living that it, it's so much more than the sum of their choices, and that they were living with with beautiful open hearts. And I wanted to transmit that so much more in the title. And so that's part of what I learned in looking at happiness and happier people and interviewing them and really sitting down with them, is that there's a way of living that's full-hearted, embracing all of life is what I mean by that. So not just celebrating the good times, the happy times, also fully embracing all of life. It's, life is not always happy. Even for these super happy people, they, there's no evidence that happier people have fewer hardships, Chris, than any of the rest of us. Hmm. It's what they do with these th- those the harder times that's different.
0: So, was the misnomer that we should be pursuing happiness all the time? Like, was the, is that? Kind of like where you started, were you thinking like, oh, these people, I'm going to interview these people, we're going to figure out how to be happy all the time, is, and then you changed your mind along the way, or, is, or maybe it wasn't that simple?
2: So I think there's several parts, to if, if, if I'm hearing your question, right? So first of all, right, is the goal to be happy all the time? I think that might be a part of your question, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, of course not. It's like, that, that, that's silly. Although it's also what many of us kind of want there's a side of us right that kind of wouldn't mind that or that that seems absolutely. really absolutely yeah for sure yeah, right we all want of the course. good stuff yeah right <laughs> and that's really promoted in western cultures in fact right we're always you know trying to stay young and look good and 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 just you know i'm sure you see this in your work all the time uh, just give me a pill right just uh, get me over it. Like, 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 we want to gloss over suffering. We don't. We don't want
0: to suffer. Right, right. And even if it, you know, you mentioned my practice, but a big, huge part of what I do is I talk to people about lifestyle modification, whether that's yeah. nutrition and diet and how much water you're drinking and how much yep. you're sleeping and all these different yep.
2: things. Great, so important and, and happiness as well as everything functional. But go ahead, yeah.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay, but, oh, for sure. Yeah. but but really, like the what I was just going to say around what you were just mentioning was that a lot of times, yeah, absolutely. Like there are certain people that really aren't interested in, yes, I want different results, but I really, I don't want to like have to get up and exercise every morning. Like I'm not willing, I'm not willing to do that. Like I just, you know, just tell me how I can magically have, you know, this different result. Can you tell
2: me something easier?
0: Right, right. Uh (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So right. so yeah. where does that where does that show up in psychology and in the pursuit of happiness?
2: Well so yeah it's like this is what I learned from talking to these nine happy people I personally know and these are in every other way Chris completely ordinary people just like you or me or anybody who's listening in, except that they are so happy. But, uh, but I ask them, are you happy all the time? And of course, to a person, every one of them says, of course not, absolutely not. They, but they don't deny their suffering. They don't try to gloss over it. They don't try to avoid it. They know that that's, or have learned, that if they embrace it, it's temporary. They allow themselves to have whatever feelings are coming up. Sometimes that's joy, happiness, gladness, all the things that we typically want. Sometimes it's not, though, right? There's a reason we have all of our emotions. Sometimes we get mad. Sometimes we get sad. There's a reason we have them. We need to have those experiences. For instance, when we're sad, you know, often we cry, right? And there's a physiological release. Again, I'm sure you know this as a doctor, right? There's chemicals that get released. We feel better. There's a catharsis. Not just it's not, We don't just make it up. It's not just in our minds, We now know through science that there's physiological evidence, right? Because there's different chemicals get pumped into our systems as a result of really sinking down into the truth of our experience, which sometimes is sad, sometimes it's mad. The utility of anger, let's just quick touch on that. Uh, A teacher once told me that anger is the emotion of determination, so not always, but a lot of the times when I'm mad, it's because I need something, and my anger can help rally my resources and tell me, oh, I need to stand up for myself. Something I'm being wronged here, and I don't like that. So if, if I can tune in and allow it to be, it can inform my whole life and help me be better and help my relationships be better, generally speaking. Now, it's hard to talk in generalizations, and I'm just giving some Quick examples, yeah. But often that's true. So, how do you define being happy? My least favorite question. I will answer you, but <laughs> this is the <laughs> hardest question. Even though there's a chapter in my book about this, so I really looked at this and wrote and wrote and wrote and studied and read and read and read, and still, this is the hardest question. I still kind of get stumped. And the the truth is, I I learned through um, not just. Uh, writing the book but in teaching classes for years now on happiness most of us can't define it mm-hmm. and you could and i don't mean to put you on the spot but but really could you define if you had to define it in this moment could you chris well i could give it a shot
0: and i think probably what would happen is that it would not be very succinct that's that's right. that's typically my problem with defining almost anything that's yeah You know, people are like, well, what's the definition of that? And it never, whatever comes out of my mouth, it never reads quite like Webster would write it or something. Right, right. know, that's
2: okay. And and
0: if you look up happiness in, you know, Webster's dictionary, I bet it says something like, really doesn't mean anything. Like it says something like the state of being in happiness or yeah Yeah. a state of contentment or something you know but but then that's like okay well so you're defining happiness with another word called contentedness which isn't really actually saying anything plus it's not exactly the same thing which is why there's a different word so yeah i mean uh, let's see if i can take a stab at it without wasting too much time um happiness I would have to say some I I'm gonna have to do the same thing and, and borrow other words and say right. it's, it's right. somewhere in between like, you know, contentedness but also like I feel like not just like peaceful contentedness, I feel like there's like happiness also implies a, a little bit more towards not quite excitement, but a little bit more like bubbliness yeah. than than just a peaceful yeah. contentedness or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh that's about yeah, it's about Great. as good as I can do. <laughs> Great,
2: and there's no wrong answer here, right? And we could ask, you know, how many people name a number. We could ask that many number, and we'd we'd have that many definitions, right? Sure. It is a subjective term.
0: But you interviewed, I think it was thirty people that were like the most happy people that you know, and nine. or oh, it was just nine. Okay, sorry, nine. sorry, no worries. I don't know where I got thirty. So, um, so you, so you interviewed these people how do how do you know or how do they know that they're the most happy people i mean yeah you- yeah
2: mhm exactly here's the thing we have a sense of what it is right we mm-hmm. we see someone and we i i feel like it's a bodily thing even i don't even think it it really enters our mind we know instantly how happy they are on some level people say this all the time i, I could tell immediately i was drawn to you because you you have this energy energy about you and but we but we have very few words to really describe it it's just this impression so again this is in my book i try to write about it i do write about it how i was drawn to each of these nine people um it is not scientific um, and we don't have good words for it here's what i learned is even scientifically like the, the scientific community cannot agree this is where the 30 number may have come up. I think there's at least 30, um, you know, scholarly definitions of happiness. So even research, no, nobody can really agree. And what I learned is it really doesn't matter how we define happiness itself. What, what is important, I learned, is the, and this I learned from Gretchen Rubin, who's like, I, I just think the, who's, who's written phenomenal books about happiness um, in the last 10 years or so. Um, that it's the, what is important is how we define it in the moment. And it, in in personally, and I do think it's, it's a useful exercise to define it for ourselves and to allow ourselves to redefine it because it changes over time. What is important and helpful is to be working toward being happier. It's the, the, those, not the, the striving isn't quite the right word, but the, the effort put forward, whatever that means to us. If, if we are actively cultivating um, uh, lives of more meaning and purpose, then the world becomes a better place.
0: Yeah, so it's interesting that you say, uh, you know, more purpose, because when you say full heart living... yes. I wouldn't necessarily my head wouldn't necessarily go to happiness per se.
2: Mhm.
0: And I think when I was you know I'm just going to take a rough stab but like 15 or 20 especially like in that range and and probably older, you know, probably before I had kids. Probably that might be one of the th- one of the big things that changed it for me, but but before I had kids, yeah. uh I I think maybe I was a little bit more of a hedonist. Like I, like yeah. I, I just thought, yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm not trying to take away anyone else's feeling good, mm-hmm. but like, yeah. yeah, why wouldn't I just want to feel good? I mean, basically. It's kind of all about me, right? Kind of. All yeah. Right, I'm with you. Right. Yeah. 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 And then, and then, you know, for me, and I, th- I think this is a shared experience for many parents that w- you have a when you have a child, all of a sudden there are perspective changes and it's like, Oh, you know, there is this other thing going on. Right. And, um, yes. And there's extent there's, there's different ways to have those extensions, like our spouses, our kids, and then like, into the greater, like, other kinds of communities, whether you're, you know, in a church or, you know, whatever kind of community you're in, there's these other communities that are also, have these other people that that at some point you may find are are really important in your own way of defining what's a good life, you might say. Yeah. And happiness is sort of a part of that. Um, it, It is a part of that, for sure, but, like, maybe not the
2: full heart, you know, a way of it. Mm-hmm. What do you mm-hmm. think? Well, I mostly I'm, I'm stuck on what you said about the perspective change on um, going from being single to having a child. I, I had exactly the same experience where, yeah, life was so much more about me and my own goals and, you know, my career and have a kid and boy, it, it ain't about me anymore. Right. And it was, it's, it's a great gift. A wonderful gift that that his needs so often needed to come before mine and and then learning how to you know because uh, it isn't I don't want to just become a martyr either and everything's about my kid that's not healthy for either of us either but then how figuring out how do I manage to meet enough of my own needs and raise a kid as well as I possibly can super helpful and and my kid is, is my my greatest teacher on the planet by far I've learned he's the greatest mirror right he shows me all my my um how did I say it earlier today with some folks my my shining sides and my sides of myself that need need some polishing and um gosh has he made me happier yeah I would say yes because he helped has helped me become a better person help help me figure out who I am on mm-hmm. a much deep, deeper level
0: okay yeah and it this might be semantics but in another way he didn't make you feel anything like more happy or more anything right like no that was actually it was still all you you know and how you decided to interact with him slash with yes. your environment slash whatever yes yes but the, you ended up choosing to uh, what's the right word? You know, you take those experiences and grow. Maybe is Correct. the right word. And Absolutely, yes. Yeah, learn from it
2: and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's prompted me to look deeper into myself and and uh, uh, be better. Not be so mean. Not be so selfish. It's it's a wonderful gift. Mm. Painful, humbling. So, if you're,
0: we were, you know, in our pre-show conversation, we were talking mm-hmm. about that. You know, sometimes there's there's great things that are happening, and and yeah. things are exciting and happy and fun yeah. and snuggly, easy and, to you be know, happy whatever. Under those
2: conditions, when things when things are going our way, it's easy to be happy.
0: Right, right. And yeah. so, what, I guess one of the questions that comes up for me, for for you, for someone yeah. that's studied happiness and and surrounding topics, is it, would you say that I mean, we already said that the goal of life isn't necessarily to be happy at every minute like that would be right. an unreasonable goal yeah. um so this is a there's overlap here with this question but it's a little yeah. different so sure. is um when you're having these harder times yeah. whether whether it's because you know you or a loved one is sick or someone yeah. Someone lost a job, and, and there's some yes. financial things going on, or yes. you know any other number of things that that can be happening, um, right? That aren't that are not that they're not making you happy. Let's put it that way. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, they're hard. Mm-hmm. So so then let's just say you were just diagnosed with cancer just for because you said it's kind of hard to talk in generality so i'll just make up like a thing that's that's yeah you know let's say i was just diagnosed with cancer should how does happiness fit into that like yes do i you mentioned going you know being true to yes the the other feelings as well and yes and then happiness can come back or like how does that all fit together
2: yeah, so you get this dire diagnosis, possibly terminal, right? Right. So, of course, you're going to have feelings, right? No one would deny. No one would say you shouldn't be upset. You shouldn't. No one would say that, right? You should be upset. There's a reason to be upset. And again, like I was saying earlier, uh, psychologically and physiologically, there's value, there's benefit of going through the whole range of emotions, which, of course, are going to be everything from shock shock and denial to anger, you're probably going to get depressed. You're probably going to go through that bargaining phase. You're probably going to ask God, why me? All that stuff is going to come up.
0: The five stages of grieving. Isn't that what That's it's called? That's what I'm
2: thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's work. And um, the the several things come up in my mind. One is, as I was alluding to earlier, allowing your, when you're in those stages, you allow that to be. You don't try to override it. You don't try to deny it. You don't try to pretend. You don't try to rush through it. And you don't try to just say, well, I'm uh, I'm just going to accept this. No, there's a uh, we, we get to acceptance by going through non-acceptance. Right? All these other stages are kind of a non-acceptance. That's okay. There's a place for that. There's a time for that. It's kind of like a good analogy I like here to use another medical analogy. Chris is like when we have the flu. What do we need to do when we have the flu? There isn't really no no. We can't take a pill and just get over a common cold or the common flu. I mean, there's there's some medicines, there's some medical stuff we can do, but generally speaking, what do you got to do? You got to curl up with a blanket. You drink a ton of fluids. You watch some movies. You rest. Your body's telling you you got to rest. And in time, we know we'll reach equilibrium again. It's sort of the same thing. I don't mean to conflate cancer with the flu. I know it's so much bigger, but the process is the same, that we do what we need to do to take care of ourselves and trust our body. So how can we be happy in the midst of a cancer diagnosis? Well, we probably can't be happy immediately immediately, That's okay. Again, that's what what these happy people I interviewed all said. And when they're not happy, they don't try to make themselves happy. They accept what is coming up right now. It's something else right now. Okay, let's look at that. Let's embrace that. Let's go to the nth degree with it. Let's allow the, the, the natural forces to come and to go and to flow with it, not to fight it which is so common in our culture. We want to fight it. We want to take a pill. Just give me an antidepressant, you know, so I don't have to have the feelings. Well, another way is to have the feelings themselves to do what you need to do, like with the flu. Fluids, orange juice, blanket, watch movies. Those are things that support you through the process so what do you need when you have a cancer diagnosis maybe you need to talk to your friends maybe you need to go to a support group you get a second opinion maybe you you check out a couple different kinds of doctors those are ways you support your system go ahead tom i'm gonna i'm
0: interrupting here i I apologize for that but Mm. i i want to try to hit on something yeah. Um so we're talking about do sort of going into whichever emotion is there that whichever one yeah. is real and present Correct. and not trying to like skirt around it for example. Right. So and then again we're also human, so a little bit of distraction sometimes eh, sometimes that's a little bit easier too like like I um You know, I don't want to have this anxiety. So I'm going to go for a run so that I can just focus on the run and I can like get some dopamine going and and have some feel good chemicals and then I won't feel so anxious and stuff. So um, I'm curious from your perspective as a professional in this field. uh, So, you, the the one that you mentioned, the, the example you mentioned was what maybe watching a movie, you know, curling up with a, a you know, maybe it's a blanket or whatever yeah. um and then watching a movie. So let's say I'm sad. Okay, I'm sad that I have cancer, for example. Yeah. Um you know, I'm sad that you know, XYZ could be anything. Yeah. I'm I'm going to go watch a movie and then that thing's going to make me more happy. Um it, w- from your perspective, is it ever appropriate or not appropriate or less appropriate or more appropriate to use things like maybe you'd call it di- – when is it a distraction? Yeah. And you, you called it yes. a, su- a support. When yeah. is it like appropriate to use, say, a movie or a book or whatever yeah. as a distraction yeah. versus – no, what you need to do is you need to go sit down in a corner, meditate on this for an hour and like really feel that you're sad or you're angry yes. or whatever and yes. and when do you do which one? Yes. Yep, it's a great
2: question. So there's no one you, you know, again, we're in this culture that we we like absolutes. We like one truth, one or the other.
0: Yeah, I'm going right. to need you to come up with the the right answer here yeah. Tom
2: <laughs> absolutely there's a time for distraction there's a time for going for a run to get kind of away from the anxiety Uh, here's what comes to mind as i hear this question it's it depends like like there's different kinds of anxiety right there's a kind of anxiety that's productive there's a kind of anxiety that where i'm just looping in my brain and it's not going anywhere i'm just doing the same thing over and over and over again that's not helpful That's an example when going for a run is a perfect, perfect activity because it can get you out of that state. It gets you into your body, and it releases chemicals that can help you think more clearly and get out of that loop. That's a perfect time to use that. Um, If I'm only going for a run... To not feel anxious, though, that's not a good, time, a good thing. If, if I, um, I'm, again, we have anxiety for a reason. There's a reason we have fear, right? Just, again, to use the, the overused example, you know, uh, thousands of years ago, I come around a rock, and there's a saber-toothed tiger. It's really helpful to have fear. It helps me rally my resources and make a very quick decision. Am I going to freeze so that it doesn't see me? Am I going to run or am I going to fight? Anxiety helps us or fear helps us with all those. In modern life, though, right, we still have the same physiological processes, but it gets much more complicated. And we've learned all these other ways and we have so many more distractions, right, that we have lost sight of, uh, you know, just following and allowing all these systems which are in place for our good individually and collectively to just flow. We get, we get in our own way. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it does. You know, my, my partner Shamini would call this maybe it potentially an overshare. I tend okay. to like, I tend to share a lot. That's, that's one of my love languages. And it's just like, it's just how I, I don't know how else yeah. to do it, honestly, but yeah, so something that I find that I have happened to me sometimes is that I, um, if I have a, I'm trying to think of an example, maybe even, but, but some, let's say something happens that's uh, where it, it doesn't make me feel good. Okay. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe I have a bad day at work or, or maybe someone's upset at me or, you know, and I don't. Yeah. I don't want that person to upset at me or, you know, or whatever. Um, yeah. And then <clears throat> for years I've been, that has been one of my things is like, uh, I'm just going to work out. Okay. And, and I like yeah. to, I like to work out. It makes me feel good. Even when I yeah. feel happy. It's not like I only work out when I feel bad, Yeah. but right. I, I work out, you know, most days, sometimes more than once a day, sometimes. And, um, You know, I think this year, particularly, I turned forty this year, and I don't know if that had to do with it. It's I've noticed a lot of differences in myself this year, and one of the differences I noticed was it seems like more and more when I go out for my, uh, I try to go out for my run to like get my feel good. Uh, chemicals yeah. going so that I can yeah. come back and be more productive yeah. and stuff, right. both at work and in relationships and all these different things. Yeah. And that still happens sometimes, but more and more, I, f- I find that I'm tending towards like, I go out on my run or my bike ride or something, and I yeah. just don't even want to be there. Like, I don't, I, it's like I almost don't have enough energy to even want to do the workout. And it, and I don't know if that's like, I don't know if that's like more of a tendency towards depression, or yeah, I don't think I'm depressed, like full out clinically depressed yeah. or something. I don't think right. I am, but yeah, but I just wonder if if that reaction is that way, and I just wonder if you can you know shed any light on um why would. Why would one day I get upset and then I go on a bike ride and like, whoo! I just, wow, I blew it all out. And now I feel so much better that I did that bike ride. And then on a a different day, I might go on a bike ride because I feel upset. And like, I just am like, oh, I just don't even want to do this bike ride. You know, like, what do you think are the differences going on in there? Or is that just too just, hard? <laughs>
2: is that too hard of a hard, question? It's, that's a really hard big question. I what I will tell you this: what comes to mind is uh, my yoga instructor's wise words, uh, who you know who notices one day I can do the pose kind of just fine, and but the next day I can't do that pose at all. What, and I'm I have the same question: what what the heck is up? And and she just very gently just keeps saying, "Oh, honor the body of the day." Honor the body of the day. Or on one side, right? You do the same stretch on the left side and it's fine. Then you go to the right. And it's very different. Oh yeah, that's just that just is how it is. I like I don't know exactly what's going on, but you're noticing a difference. Let's and I, I like that you're getting curious about it, Chris. And I think that's what the people in my book would do just get really good. Wow. This is, this is a difference. And by the way, I I might say 40 was a tough one for me too. Mm. Oh my gosh. Did I have (laughs) angst when I turned 40? Hello. Really looking at my life. What is my life about? And, uh, what do I really want to do? Sure. Uh, so I'm, I'm definitely with you there. I didn't, the physical changes I noticed at 30. Oh my God. That was, I started gaining weight and oh my God. But anyhow, um, I like that you're curious. Just get curious and fi- just stay with the question. That's, that's all I can offer you at this okay. point. Is how notice, really notice deeply, and get really curious, huh? What is going on? And and just see and put that question on the back burner. You know, I don't, I don't, don't focus, focus. You might. oh, uh, well, here's an idea. Have you ever heard of alternate hand journal writing?
0: No, no, I don't think so. So if I'm right-handed, write write a, a journal for a few minutes with my left hand? or
2: Write the question that you have with your dominant hand. Okay. Switch the pen into your non-dominant and just allow um, – and just see what happens. Write with your left hand the answer and just let it flow. You might be wow. amazed. That's interesting. Yeah. So that's more front burner activity but what was coming to me earlier is to put the question on the back burner maybe not to be so active about it but sure. just see what comes up. Yeah, yeah. Quietly. And what comes to you as you sit with this experience and the and the question. It just uh th- I think that's good advice. It
0: the uh the question just came up like in the context of of happiness and mm-hmm. and uh I I feel like the The reason someone picks up a book about like oh the things that like the nine most happy people do you know like that sounds good because I'd like to be more happy right like yeah. isn't isn't that the main reason why you would buy the book is is like I I could use a few tips on being more happy that's of course right of course
2: and isn't this the motivating force
0: in life but yeah pretty much and and I mean another way that people talk about it is either away from pain or toward pleasure. And, and the happiness being pleasure. Right. Right. So what's the benefit of being
2: happy? So first of all, the first thing that comes to mind is health, right? Happier people are healthier, not happy people. Uh, I can't tell you how often uh, medical professionals come to me and they're like, oh, I need you in my office every day, you know, because <laughs> most of the people who come to me, it, it isn't really about their physical symptoms at all, right? Uh, so happier people tend to be far healthier physically. Happier people also do way more good deeds in the world, Chris. They um, they give more money. They donate more. Do they, you see
0: that as a cause or an effect?
2: Oh, yeah. I don't know chicken or
0: the egg. Because I, I heard a long time ago Wayne Dyer said this mm, and I and mm-hmm. he claimed it was from research and I don't know what the research was, but Right. Uh Wayne Dyer had said that there was a research article done and it was um when there's an act of kindness the there's there's three people that benefit from that act of kindness. Anyone who's receiving the act of kindness, so um, you know, let's say, let's say uh, I fall over in the street, you happen to see me, and you just you know give me your hand and and yep. you, you pull me up. Well, that was kind. Yep. That was kind of you, Tom. I yes. I get to feel better. Yes, and, and and all the physiologic things that happen, like yes. better, better health and more dopamine, and and all yep. the different things that happen when when, you know, something good happens. So the the good thing is happening is is you're helping me up in this example. I get to feel better. You get to feel better. Yes. So the giver and the recipient both feel better. And then whoever happened to see you doing that nice thing. So the exactly. observer also feels better too. And yeah. so that's the yeah. thing that pops into my head when you, you know, when you say that, that, you know, the better health. It's laughter's the best medicine and... Um. Exactly,
2: exactly. Another benefit is uh, the contagion factor. So when we're around happier people, we get happier. So we help other people actually when we, when we work on our happiness, when we are happier, it's a benefit to others as well. Um, and I know there was one other thing I wanted to say with this one and I made myself some notes. If you don't mind, I'm going to, I want to quick cause I feel like I'm leaving some. Oh yeah. 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 How, um, I really believe that if people were happier, we would have so many fewer problems mm. in the world. If we really all were in line with our purpose and living lives of meaning, we wouldn't be harming each other at the rate we're harming each other. Now we wouldn't right. be harming the planet at the rate we're harming the planet. Now yeah. we wouldn't, we wouldn't. So I think there's all kinds of benefits
0: as we're recording this. It's yeah. October. What is it? The fifth, sixth. Uh, 6th. Um, yeah. and <clears throat> so it was only, you know, this week still that, uh, you know, the Las Vegas shooting happened. Uh, mm-hmm. and I, I, you know, the last numbers that I saw were 59 people confirmed dead and over 500 injured. And, you know, talking about doing harm in the world. And it came out that they uh, the authorities released that the man who had done the shooting was on a medication. And maybe you even know it, Tom, and I, I'm trying to remember right now... Um, Valium. I haven't read It was Valium. Really? Okay. Yep. yep. So he was on Valium and I was doing some reading after that and found that people that are on anti-anxiety meds uh, have a far, far more likely chance of committing suicide than if you're not on anti-anxiety meds. And you know that kind of statistic is kind of hard to know what to do with because it's like well maybe they were already at greater risk because they have more anxiety or something i mean so it's right the cause and effect gets fuzzy there and stuff but absolutely but at the same time it's just uh it raises the that question of of you know you to your point if you can be more happy and and i guess i'm going to add in preferentially without the use of, you know, exogenous drugs. Yeah. Then, uh, you know, whether they're legal or illegal. Oh, yeah. uh, Then if you can find that happiness uh, or peace, you know, or similar state or emotion. Yes. uh, Without those drugs, then... Then I think you're right, where it's like you know you're you're doing more good and at the same time doing less harm.
2: I guess. Yes, exactly, exactly. So I want to say two things. One is um, I'm with you about the being free of medicines, generally speaking. Now again, Western medicines have a wonderful place. Thank God for them. Absolutely, yeah. A, a Buddhist teacher of mine once called Prozac a bodhisattva drug, you know, there's a place for for them. I know, right? I saw you. (laughs) The listener doesn't know it. I can see your face. (laughs) You made that (laughs) face like, like, wow, that's something for a Buddhist to say. Yeah, Yeah, specifically a a Buddhist priest. Um, They're great. And they're overused, for sure. And there's so many side effects. The other thing I really want to point out, just, you know, and this seems like Uh, like such a tiny part of what you just said but as i was listening and and imagining you reading this article you see that there's valium and you you right away go do research on anxiety medicines chris you just demonstrated one of the things i learned in doing this project you're a very passionate Man, I know this about you. You have interests and you follow your interests. Mm. And I love that about you. And you are um, uh, displaying one of the main things I learned in doing this project. So can I talk about that? Passions.
0: Absolutely.
2: You can talk about it. So first of all, people often ask me, of course, what did you learn from doing this whole project? And I want to say the first two, and then I'll get to the passion. So the first thing I noticed for sure about happier people, Chris, is they have phenomenal connections with other people. They Mm. have great relationships, and they make the most of their relationships. I also noticed, in addition to being connected to other people, they're deeply connected with themselves. Here's where we get into mindfulness and self knowledge. So they know who they are, they know their preferences, they honor their preferences, they take good care of themselves, and they're in the present moment. Every single one of my interviewees talked about that. They didn't all use the word mindfulness at all, but they said things like, I'm more present than than a lot of other people. I'm more in the moment. So connections with other people, connections with themselves, and then the third thing I noticed is connections with their passions everybody in my uh, group of of subjects in my book have activities that they absolutely adore and they do tons of them, whether it's like singing or biking or art making or gardening. They're passionate people and they allow themselves to engage in things they absolutely adore. And then here's the... um, of the golden chalice when you put all this together because think about the feedback loop there if you're involved in your passions and you're a passionate person you're probably going to share your passion with other people so you're going to have relationships and when we're doing things that are um that we're passionate about we're very likely to be deeply connected with ourselves then when we can harness the power of all those three and offer them in the service of others, Chris. This is like where we get the holy grail, right? So it's not and we were talking about this earlier, right, that it, it kind of getting out of ourselves, it isn't just about me. When I, you know, you, you use the example of you fallen on the ground and I offer my hand to lift you up, right? I probably as the as the giver in that situation, I probably benefit even more than you do. Giving is one of the most powerful ways that we can be happier. And it lifts, lifts up the spirits, as you were saying earlier, not only of the recipient, but of those observing. Which is, by the way, why these um, videos on Facebook, right, where we witness people doing good deeds and then we cry. Right or even like really good commercials where they show people being good and kind, and we tear up. Right? Isn't that why we love it? Because it lifts our spirits.
0: Oh man! To see
2: goodness. <laughs> I've got a funny. <laughs> I've got a funny one to tell, tell you me. when
0: you're done. Well, uh, what? We're, well, now. It, well, no, I just I didn't want to interrupt, but um. No, now's good. Okay, so you know you mentioned that, and this is just like a funny, cheesy. This is like yeah. the corniest thing that you could ever cry at. But um, somehow I was, uh, you know, my age is the right age that I remember these commercials when I was pretty young. For uh, the best part of waking up,
2: soldiers
0: <laughs> yeah. in your cup, you know. You're I think singer too. I didn't know I had no that idea. That's great. Yeah, right. And I think it was uh, Randy Travis that was doing it. They, you know, they got a, uh, you know, the country. Whatever icon at the time to, yep. to get, do this, and for some reason, I thought it would be funny to like you know YouTube it or something and just wanted to like see one of these commercials that had come up at some something some family thing where I was at or something and uh so I found one and it was this. It was this uh, brother who had been away at some war, and I don't even know that at the time which war it was. But yeah. you know, this brother was away in the army somehow at a war or something, and he had just gotten home. And you know, so he's a, a young adult, and his sister is there, and presumably she's sort of a young adult, and they're both up in the kitchen, and it's like the wee, you know, hours of the morning, very early and the and their folks aren't up yet or something and and jeez i don't even know if i can remember what they did but it was something about you know like like i sure missed you when i was out there sis and stuff and you know and and like you know Maybe it kept me going to know that that you guys were here, you know, loving me or something. Yeah, you know the and then all of a sudden the best part of up. <laughs> oh, you know, god. like you know, and it's just I, I couldn't believe it, but I was like I was I was crying at that. I was like oh Aww. my god, it was like just Aww. so I don't know tender moment or something, you yeah. know, and uh, so cornball in a way, but I just uh, so yeah, I I do know what you mean because I do I do. I'm the guy that does tear up with that stuff sometimes. <laughs> I love
2: that. And again, if we just look at what you just did, you just, you, you shared something that's a little vulnerable, right? Right. It's silly, but I love that you're willing to do that and that you get joy out of it. Chris, these are, these are components of healthier, happier people, vulnerability and laughter. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Wonderful. Vulnerability, this, this is what I was saying earlier, when people are more connected with themselves, that means allowing ourselves to be vulnerable. Mm. If we're doing some of the things we were talking about earlier, like really embracing uh, the wholeness of my sadness when I'm sad, that's vulnerable.
0: Even if you're just doing it with yourself, it's vulnerable, because you're sort of admitting to yourself that you're sad.
2: Absolutely, And again, in our culture, particularly men, uh, but all of us for sure, get trained not to do that. Mm -hmm. We get trained to cut off our, you know, don't cry. We all get that message. Mm -hmm. We all, most and so many people Mm -hmm. get those kinds of messages. So we get really good at cutting off our feelings. Mm -hmm. Happier people are able, and there is a time when it's not maybe so appropriate in the middle of a grocery store to be a, a puddle, I get it. But to if we can come back to it, if we can allow ourselves, when we are able to have the fullness of our experience, we get happier. That's vulnerable. But then, yeah, it takes it even a step deeper if, if we can share it with somebody else. If I can be that vulnerable with another party and share. And this is Brene Brown's work. You're familiar with her, right? The power of... Uh- it sounds familiar, but I can't place it. Oh, them. you gotta check her out, Chris. Brene Brown is phenomenal. She's all about vulnerab- vulnerability. Um, I'm blanking out now on I don't the, know why
0: uh, I recognize
2: the name, but I Well, cause, cause her she has one of the most watched YouTube videos of all time. Oh I mean, not, not YouTube, a uh, Ted Talk. Ted is it a TED Talk? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh she's fantastic. This is what this is what she talks about. Embracing the vulnerability, connects us with ourselves and connects us with other people. Gotcha. Um, so one
0: thing that comes to my mind when we're talking about, can we be happy all the time and, you know, a thing happens and it's not necessarily what we would think of as making us happy. I'm not exactly sure how this fits in with, the, uh, you know, letting, letting yourself feel the sadness and, and stuff like that. But another interesting thing that I try to remember, and I, you know, I, I don't, definitely don't always remember this in my uh, less happy moments. But Bye. what I try to remember is this sort of parable that I heard Pema Chodron uh, tell one time, and you know, I've talked to Shamini about it, and and some of my other family members, and so sometimes I can just say maybe yes, maybe no and and then you know she'll know what i'm talking about and um but the the parable is essentially if i if i try to fast forward it a little bit uh and she just has one of those wonderful voices that i just love to listen to so i love listening to pema like give this this little story but basically there's um it's like a it you know an older I don't know what the era was, but there were these farmers. They uh, and they lost their horse. Their horse ran away, and the uh, the wife went into town to like tr- I don't know to the market to buy something in the town or something, and and told everyone, "Oh, our horse ran away." and and all the villagers, you know, oh, gosh, oh, we're so sorry. That's terrible. That's terrible, um, terrible news. Like, you've lost your horse. It's so important to have a horse if you're, you know, a farmer and stuff. And then this old village elder just says, eh, maybe yes, maybe no. And then the next day uh, or maybe the next week or whatever, the the horse actually ends up coming back and – but now there's two horses because it was uh, – it was the horse had gone out and found a mate and, like, brought back the mate or something. And so now the farmer has two horses. And then the wife goes into town and, like, oh, the horse is back. Like, you know, now we have two horses. And everyone's like, hooray, this is so great. Like – and, and the village elder says, eh, maybe yes, maybe no. And then the, ho- the farmer's son, the next day, goes out to train this new horse and kind of break it in so it can live on the farm and stuff, and ends up getting bucked off the horse, and, the ho- and then the farmer's son breaks his leg, and now the farmer's son cannot help with all these like farming chores and stuff that, that are necessary for this family to be able to continue their livelihood. And the wife goes into town and you know oh no that's horrible we can't believe how like your bad luck like why god why and you know the village elder eh maybe yes maybe no <laughs> yeah. and and then the next one is is the next day the the king's army comes through and they they are uh what's the word when they're um I don't know, I'll call it recruiting. I can't think of dra- like drafting, you know? Yeah, they're yeah. they're taking all the able bodied young men and oh, they're off, to, spared, off yes. to fight. Uh-huh. And and the son doesn't have to go because he's got this yeah. broken leg and he can't fight. And you know, and and then of course they're all joyous and and the the you know, the moral of the story is is you don't always know actually if it's so uh-huh. good. Like, oh uh-huh. I yeah, I just had a patient this morning and he he uh he just got fired from a job. He's like, oh, I just got canned, and it's like most usually when you get quote unquote canned, that's kind of thought of to be bad news, right? Yes. But but maybe he's going to end up with like this other job or right. so, you know something else, and it, and so. Right. It's not to like skip feeling sad or skip feeling Correct. mad. It's it's not Correct. to do that, but it no. does it is a little thing that I love telling people about because it yes. does it does give me this little I don't know if it's peace, I guess. Um it's a uh, comfort. It's just this little comfort yeah. to know like, you know what? Life is just still happening. This is just what's yes. happening. And yes. I can feel happy and I can feel sad and those things are yes. fine. Yes. And, and just remember Maybe yes, maybe no.
2: Yeah, exactly. There's there's a mystery in life. I love this story, Chris. There's a mystery in life. We we don't know. We yes, it feels devastating in the moment. And I like what you're saying. It's okay to feel sad when we feel sad, and it's okay to and important to validate other people's feelings when they go through hardships. That's helpful to us to to share our our um, suffering and. Yes. Is it the end of the world? Maybe not. Maybe there's a reason that we can't see that won't be revealed to us. And I see this so often. And I th- I do think there are exceptions. There, There's horrible things do happen. And uh, I don't know that there is a reason. Necess- I mean, maybe there's some ultimate reason, which is way beyond me. But um, I used to be way more absolute, thinking that Um, everything happens for a reason and we just have to wait to find the reason and then I've sat with so many suffering people who have experienced horror who can't find meaning in the horror and I can't disagree with them so I no longer say you will find the meaning someday or believe it, I would never say that I guess to somebody else even in my earlier years but I'm, I'm not quite so naive about that anymore or at least not so absolute but in general, I love that idea because it helps me with my own life and just having perspective and not assuming um, that it's the end of the world because mm-hmm. of whatever has happened. That's a great story. I love that you shared that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. It's it's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. So uh, we should probably start to wrap it up here, Tom. And All right. you know, I I'm going to ask you to to toot your own horn on this one. Um, why would someone buy? full heart living versus you know say another book on unhappiness or yeah. or purpose
2: yeah well a couple things come to mind thank you for the opportunity although it's so funny you know my my impulse is to never toot
0: my own horn that's what I <laughs> I'm mand I'm mandating that you do that now. That pe- people don't need to buy it, so you can remember that they still get to choose. <laughs> if that makes it any easier.
2: So what I what I do know is, uh, as far as I know, this is the first, and then there are a ton of books on happiness, of course, but I, it's the first that, from what I know, is so personal. So I, I just specifically didn't want to have a lot of scientific psychological blah 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 I wanted this to be real people and that's what this is I interview real everyday people that we can all I think relate to and then I talk very personally about how uh, well my own experiences and then how these people affected me and um Early readers, Chris, um, said that they loved the book. They loved the stories. They said two things. They said, uh, but there's not enough of you in it. So it ended up being much more of a memoir than I ever initially uh, expected. And they also said, we, we love your ideas. We need way more help. We want you to tell us really specifically what to do with your ideas. And so I I, I already had this list of ideas, but my my training, of course, as a psychologist, you know, they kind of drill into you, don't tell people what to do, don't tell people what to do, give them options, but never tell people what to do. So this really went against the grain. But I ended up developing, at the end of almost every chapter, a, a, a workbook section for people who do need that kind of, or want that kind of help or direction. So um, it's this hybrid of kind of memoir, self-help um, workbook. So not only does it pre- present real-life stories and ideas that I think are incredibly inspiring, but it does give you, and again, this goes way against my psychology training, um, it does give you really specific, concrete ideas of how you might begin to um, practice the, the concepts in your own life. So I, I think i love it i i and, and and really in all due humility it's one of those things where um near the end of the process uh when i i had put it aside for a couple of months and then needed to read it myself and Chris I was like, oh my god they, they i did exactly what they tell you to do i ended up writing the book i need this is you know i wrote the book that I would want to read this is what I need
0: that's awesome all <laughs> <I know>, right <laughs> if if someone bought it on audio, do they get do they somehow get the the workbook? Like is there a website that they can download it from or yeah. something yes. like that?
2: I anticipated that exact problem because yeah, workbook activities don't translate well to an audio version or even to an electronic version. So, uh, all the workbook activities are available for free to download, uh, you know, in PDF on my website, which is fullheartliving.com.
0: Tom, what's your number one health tip for my listeners?
2: Number one health tip would be to um, get more connected to people. To to um, And you know what I'm going to go back to, Chris, is that vulnerability piece. Connect through vulnerability. Connect through being real. And I'm not talking about jumping in too soon before you're ready. I'm not talking about telling your life story to the person on the street, you know, taking, but taking graded steps over time to be closer to other people. That's, uh, that's probably the number one thing that can overcome or compensate for a lot of the uh, physical ailments we suffer. If we are in relationship, if we're in tribe, if we're in community, Right then uh, we're going to be healthier, we're going to be happier. So get, get get into community. That That's my number one tip right there.
0: Awesome. Very cool, Tom. Thank you so much for your time ah, today. Thank you. It's so great to talk to you,
2: Chris. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's been nice to connect more deeply with you through doing this. Absolutely. Agreed. There you go. Take care. You too. Bye-bye.
1: Visit drchrisfrickman.com for more cutting-edge content, including nutrition and detoxification advice, unique fitness videos, and more.